That is the question today is, is that just the way it is? Will things ever change? I know that there's a pervasive darkness uh, that seems to be overtaking the world, right? And, and our, 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 our minds are constantly being inundated by negative thoughts. And, and then we tend to adopt this philosophy, is that just the way it is? Have we given up as a culture, as a, as a society? Have we given up as human beings in, in our own families, in our, in our own relationships? Is that just the way it is? Will things ever change? How many of you guys have asked yourself, are things ever going to change? Will, will my drinking habits ever change? Will my eating habits ever change? Will this marriage ever change? The government, is this just the way it's always going to be and it always has been? Can it? Will it ever change and the world will it ever change you know last week we spoke about uh getting back to where we once belong last week was the beatles this week it's bruce hornsby uh that song was written in 1986 and i guarantee you that many of you are thinking geez not much has changed because we feel like we're helpless and that's just the way it is well guess what you know what that song also says, did the man really think about it later on? He goes, do you really think about it before he made the rules, meaning man? But that's the question. Man didn't make the rules. Man doesn't think about it, maybe. But you know who did make the initial set of rules? You know who put a lot of thought into it and never made a mistake? God. God thought about it before he laid it down in the book. God thought about it before he told us, before he made the world, before he made us. He made the rules. So when we are talking about getting back to where you once belong, we also talked last week about action steps and accountability. Okay, so if the darkness, if you feel that darkness is overcoming light in our world, or more importantly, in your life, guess what? We are going to continue this week with that same message about victory, finding victory, more importantly, being turned on. We're going to go to the book, being turned on, because as if you listen to last last episode, we realized that there is so much about being turned on that we need to get back to. We need to find out if that's just the way it is because, you know what? These days, people are more than happy to just brush off culture's lack of connection, lack of courtesy, lack of positivity by telling you that, hey, that's just the way it is. Guess what? The world is, you've heard this before, the world is just evolving, and that is not good because... It's evolving in a way that most of us are not happy with. Most of us are saying, why can't we get back to where we once belong as a culture, get back to where we once belong as a country, get back to where we once belong as a family unit? Well, we can. But what happens is we have to get turned on first, and that becomes with two things we said is action steps and accountability. Action steps and accountability. I'll say it one more time. Action steps steps, and accountability. What's been going wrong? 
we've gotten turned off. We're avoiding one another on a grand scale. We're avoiding talking to one another. We're avoiding relationship. We're avoiding marriage. We're avoiding doing, having the hard conversations in our business, in our home, and certainly in our government that get somewhere. So we're all just throwing our hands up in the air for the most part and going, you know what, maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe that's just the way my marriage is always going to be. Maybe that's just the way my body's always going to look. Maybe this is just the amount of drinking that I'm always going to do. Maybe this is the best that my business and my bank account will ever be. And that's just, well, it's just the way it is. But that's not a message of victory. That's not a message of hope. God didn't bring us here. He didn't put us on this earth to be pessimistic, okay? So let's look at some of the things that are happening. We know that the major change in all of our lives has come from a couple of a couple of things that really seemed really good at first and they can be okay. They're they're not inherently bad in itself. It's how they get used. And a couple of those things first of all like reality TV. I had this I just watching last week and I'm like here's another cooking show and now there's comedians on the cooking show. Are comedians bad? No. Is cooking bad? Absolutely not. It's actually some entertaining value, but everything is a reality show and everything has become so scripted. And as I'm watching this cooking show, I'm like it's just scripted. They're so desperate, and we're so desperate to show normal people. And when when the real world first came on MTV, it was new and it was innovative. It was like, wow, this is real people. This is real life. But pretty soon what happened is it became predictable and scripted. And so reality TV has, now reality TV has formed into things like YouTube, which can be great. It can be a great way to get your message out. It can be a great way to learn and do things and see regular, normal, everyday people, but it's also, we have people doing stupid, ridiculous things, endangering themselves for what? For 10 minutes? For their 15 minutes of fame? People are, people are dying doing these crazy tricks on YouTube so they can get 15 minutes of notoriety because we are no longer... Um, we, we have to be accepted by culture and we have to be famous by culture and we can, it no longer means as much to be accepted by God and be known to God. Who do you want to be known by? Ask yourself that. Let's start off. Is God enough? Would you rather be known by YouTube? Would you rather be known by social media? Or would you rather be known by your maker? Because he knows you. But you, do you know him? And There is victory there. I have to continually talk about the victory because, gosh, we want victory. And victory is there. It's right there. But it's not if we continue to just live our lives on social media. If we live our lives via video games and binge-watching TV and watching reality shows. And and if we go back to, to social media, my book turned on, I said, you know, it seems as if something doesn't benefit our social media, our brand, or our business, then we kind of choose not to even interact or avoid it at all. Well, if I can't do this for the gram, then why would I do it? If it's not going on the gram, this child doing this thing, and I've been guilty of it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. You know, my, my daughters competed last week in, in nationals. They did very well, and I thought about, you know, what do I share this on Instagram? I'm like, well, what if it's just for me? What if it's not for everybody? Why do I, is it, you know, I'm proud of them, but do I have to show the world? Does it matter? Does it still happen? Um, can I just take that moment and can it just be ours or does it have to be shared? So look, I don't want to polarize everything because there's good and bad, right, in social media. There's good and bad in in reality TV. There's, um, But th- there's so much more that we can get by being turned on. There's so much victory out there that I want to share with you guys. And it goes back to, again, action steps and accountability, 
Are you seeing the action steps? Are you seeing the accountability in your life? And if not, what can we do to course correct? Because that's what it comes down to. It's constantly, constantly about course correction. There's never a point where we're just going to be on cruise control. When you go on cruise control, when you go on autopilot, in your marriage, in your body, in your job, guess what happens? Bad things. I don't, I don't think that's too hard to understand, do you? If you're in a relationship and you put that on cruise control, what happens to your relationship? If it's on autopilot, not good. If you're running a business and you take off and you're just like, well, it'll run itself, does it? Maybe for a little while, but what'll happen? Bad things. In your body, you might say, hey, I'm in a good spot right now and I'll just go on kind of cruise control and just ignore the science. Ignore the weight gain. Ignore the uh, the autoimmune stuff. What happens? Okay? Not good. So if we piggyback off getting back to where you once belong, okay? That was that was the last episode in our series. And we used the, the Beatles' famous song, Get Back. Um, it was episode 179, if you want to go back to that. And then we identified action steps and accountability. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's, let's go there because this is the next level. Um, you know, 99% of us, we want those two things in life. We want action steps. We want accountability. But what happens is um, what we say we want and what we actually do are often two different things. Okay? Now, I, I get it. Many of you in this audience, you consider yourself self-starters. Like, hey, I know. But again, we could read books. We can see things. We can go to seminars. We can take notes. It's not the same as doing it. Guilty here. I'm not going to say anything today to you guys that I'm not guilty of myself, okay? I haven't, I haven't mastered it because, again, um, to master it would say that we have it done for the rest of our lives, and we don't have to course correct at all. There's that old adage, uh, and this is really easy to understand. If a plane leaves L.A. every day and flies halfway across the Pacific Ocean and lands on this tiny island of Hawaii— how does it do that? Does it just go in a straight line? How does it not end up in the middle of the Pacific Ocean? Because that plane is constantly course correcting, and that's how it gets to that tiny island. So as many of you are self-starters, you don't need a mother, a father, a boss, or somebody telling you what to do. You know it. It's, the advice is abundant online. Advice, if, I mean, go to your Instagram right now. Go to your Facebook and I guarantee you can't do one flip without seeing three or four people telling you exactly what to do, exactly how to get ahead in your bank account, exactly how to get ahead in your marriage. I'm kind of doing that right now, but I'm trying to do it from a place of coming, uh, understanding and being with you, you know, rather than above you, because I'm not above you. I'm with you. I'm struggling. And I think that's where we as human beings can really get somewhere is we realize that we're all doing this, even the, even the people who seem to have it figured out. You know, the Gary V's, the Tony Robbins, the, the celebrities, the Tom Cruises, whoever you look at in baseball, uh, football, guess what? They go home and they have a normal life. They have relationship problems. They have money issues. They have, they have problems with their children. They have problems with their health, okay? But we're seeing them through this lens that's really false. So we know there's abundance of advice out there, and many of you are self-starters, but here's the other part. You get it, but you need that second part. You know what the action steps are. You can pick up a book. There's probably some in your house right now that you're looking at. You probably have notes. You probably are subscribed to somebody's podcast. You, you probably uh, 
or maybe in a mastermind course right now, you know what the instructions are. You have the action steps. It's that second part that is preventing most of us from victory. And what is it? Accountability. You need someone or something to hold you accountable to your word. Okay? Because if not, in in the book, page 10, this is early on in chapter 1 of the Turned On book, it says, here's where we go to sleep at the wheel. When the outside voices, our peers, our culture, our world, are louder than that internal voice, which is the Holy Spirit, the intuition, that's when we get depressed. That's when we feel helpless. When our friends and our peers and our culture and the things that we're seeing are louder than God, and we we turn the volume on God, our intuition, our spirit, we turn it down, and then we feel depressed and helpless. There is a power struggle, my friends. There is a power struggle. Each day you open your eyes and put a foot on the ground, there is a power struggle between you and what lies out there. And how will you equip yourself to win and to achieve victory? Think about that. Okay, um, as we go as we go back to that, look, I, Angelique and I, we've been to so many conferences, we've been to so many, uh, you know, leadership seminars, and and there is value there. Absolutely, we've been to church. You know, you go to church, there is value there. There is absolutely value there. But I'm going to put it in the words of Winston Churchill, and this, gosh, this makes so much sense. Winston Churchill said it best. He said, "We have become note rich and application poor." Note rich and application poor. Last week we did a cleaning and I probably found 15 spiral notebooks. And I started to look through those. I'm like, wow, Angela, look at these notebooks. I'm like, there's gold in these notebooks. Really good stuff that, that we've learned and also stuff that we've written down that we can teach, that we have taught. But they're just words on a page. We haven't had the application part as much as we should because we need that second part, accountability. Now, when you're young and your parents maybe wrote on the refrigerator or put a list of chores, they said, here's your action steps. Make your bed, clean your room, sweep the floor, take the garbage out, action steps, got it. Now, let me ask you a question. If they gave you no follow-up, no accountability, there was no threat, and I'm not saying a bad threat, but no reward even afterward. Would you have done those? When you're 10, do you want to take the garbage out? Do you want to make your bed? No. You have accountability in the form of mom and dad. Okay? We're adults now. Mom and dad aren't there. Accountability is the inner voice. It is God. It is intuition saying, fix your marriage. Do whatever you can or it's going to be bad. Get your career. Get your bank account. Get your uh, your house in order God says, he gives instructions because he did think about it before he made the rules. He knows he knows we need to change in positive directions. Get your house, and that could mean a lot of things right now, your internal body, that could mean your, your heart, that could mean your mind. Get it in order, okay? We've become note-rich and application-poor. If you've listened to Gary Vee or Tony Robbins or Lisa Nichols or whoever you listen to, And you're like, wow, that makes a lot of sense, but your life isn't changing. And you went to that conference five years ago. Guess what? You are note rich and you are application poor. Why? Because I think what's happened is, again, we go back to that tiny screen, or maybe it's the big screen in your house or the tiny screen in your hands. 
It's the laptop. It's the TV. It's the it's the flat screen. It's the tiny screen in your palm of your hand every single moment of every single day. Again, on page 10, it's turned on. We've become privileged to see on a tiny screen in the palm of our hand all the things that life has to offer. But we also seem content just to do that, just to view it rather than live it. We have the resources to know everything about history, yet it often seems that we are, aren't learning from it. We're destined to repeat those same mistakes of our past. Wow, I know I'm supposed to do this. I've heard it over and over again, but I'm not doing it. Personally in your house, personally in your marriage, in your relationships, personally in your body, the government. Gosh, we've seen this before. If you looked at anything recently, wow, this is what was happening in this is what was happening in Eastern Europe in the in the 40s. This is what was happening in in, in communist Russia in the 60s. Uh, we've seen this movie before. Oh, well, if we're on cruise control and we think, well, guys, that's just the way it is. Guess what happens? Bad things happen. Take some action steps. Hold ourselves accountable. Who's going to hold us accountable? God. God speaks to you through your inner voice. Let's not make the same mistakes, okay? So my greatest question to you is, can you dig? How do you get back to experiencing the things in life, all of its richness, the humankind, the humankind that's real, that's tangible, that you could put your hands on, rather than the virtual type. How can you do it? How does that look? How does, how does the course correction come? That's what I want to ask you. That. Because you can see it on a video. You can look at it on your Instagram feed. You can go to a conference and hear about it. You can read it in a book, but how is it tangible? How does it work with your spouse? How does it work with your children? How does it work in your own body? What's the course correction? If things are off course, pick one in your life right now. It could be several. It's like juggling, it's like juggling or spinning plates. Well, geez, you know, my body's not great. My marriage is okay. It's not great. Uh, my business is kind of faltering. Well, they're all kind of interconnected, but let's, let's ask ourselves, how can we course correct a little bit in each one without overwhelming ourselves and saying, I give up because it's too much. So just think about that for a second. What, is it, what does a simple course correction look like in your marriage? Hmm? I mean, the obvious would be, hey, it's a date night. Or what Angelique always says, and this is, this is critical, it's a tough conversation. It's the conversation you don't want to have. It's the conversation you're avoiding. It's the hurt, the pain that you're avoiding that you got to go through. If you have a child that's, that's giving you some issues, you know, especially, geez, those teenage years or when they start to get in that, you know, uh, are you going to course correct that child now or are you going to wait till it gets too bad and you have to give up your hands and say, oh, that's just the way it is? I mean, my kids aren't in their teen yet, I know, but I, I've been around children long enough and I know my own self when I was a teenager. If you're having a problem with your child and you see it going off course, do you have the tough conversation now? Do you go through the hard work now or when they're 20 or 21, you look back and go, well, I guess that's just the way it is. Some things will never change. If you're drinking, if you're abusing any type of alcohol or drugs and you're off course, you know the action steps. Who's holding you accountable? That's why there's groups. That's why there's small groups for that in churches. But ultimately, it's God. The Holy Spirit, you have to invite the Holy Spirit into your life because he's the ultimate accountability partner. 
People help. You got to surround yourself with people. If you're going through grief like we are now, you know, people help. But the ultimate helper, the ultimate uh, accountability partner is God. And so we see that. We know that's possible. But it all comes down again. Are you, are you going to scribble notes down? Are you going to read things? Are you going to see things and go, oh, that sounds good? Or are you going to apply them? Again, Winston Churchill, we've become note-rich and application poor. Hmm. Well, we talk about action steps and accountability. And, and we can see people, gurus, and there's people all over, like we said. But what about, what does the word say? Who's the ultimate accountability partner? I just told you. It's God. Let's give you some examples. James 1, 23 through 25. For if anyone is the hearer of the word and not a what? A doer. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, acts, will be blessed. I mean, it couldn't be any clearer right there. Did he really think about it before he wrote it down? Absolutely. He's perfect. The Lord makes this book as the single best-selling self-development book in the history of the world. Take Tony Robbins, take Gary V, take all those people and combine them into one, and they don't eclipse the best self-development book in the history of the world, and that's why the New York Times stopped listing the Bible as the number one bestseller because it is always the number one bestseller. Not to say there's not value in those other people, but James here says thousands of years ago, for if anyone is a hearer of this word and not a doer, guess what? It's not going to turn out good. John, 1 John, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but rather in deed or truth. Everybody loves to talk about, geez, I'd love to have that six-pack. I'd love to be in better shape. I'd love to have a smaller waist. And that's the most simple. That's vain, okay? but sometimes it has a lot to do with our health. I'd love to have a great relationship with my wife. I'd love to date my husband again. I'd love to be able to talk to my child. I'd love to be able to just embrace my child and let them know how much I love them. And John's saying, little children, let us not love in the word or in talk, but rather in deed and truth. Do it. James, let's go back to James. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, it is what? It's sin. You know you know it is not right to imbibe in an overabundance of alcohol. You know it is not right to indulge yourself and eat and be gluttonous. You know the right thing. If you fail to do it, that's when sin enters your body. That's when sin enters your home. That's when sin enters the world. We see it in our government. They know what the right thing to do is, and they're not doing it. They are sinful. We live in a world, a fallen world, but there is victory. First Peter, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hmm, sober-minded. That's an action step. Who's your accountability partner? 
I suggest finding people in your life that could be accountability partners, but I suggest going back to God. Go back to God. Second Peter, one more time, one more thing. I'm just going to, I mean, I, this, it's so abundant in there. I just want to make sure you're getting this, please. Second Peter says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and knowledge, with self-control. Oh, my gosh. How many things in your life right now would be better if you exercised more self-control? Don't look at that pornography. Don't have that third or fourth drink. Don't eat that fried food from the fast food place. There's a lot of people out there, again, that are rich. There's a lot of people out there that seem like they have going, things going for them, but they lack the one thing, the one thing that is one of the most critical elements of victory, self-control. We've seen it ruin the lives of some of the most famous movie stars, athletes, politicians. And you say, but you had it all. You had all that money. You had all that fame. What brought you down? You lacked self-control. Who helps you maintain self-control? A higher power. You answer to God. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me put down this drink. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me avoid looking my eyes at wicked things, at, at pornography. Holy Spirit, I, I ask you to take this, this craving for this sugar, for this fried food, take it away from me. I need self-control. Okay? Th- that quote from Second Peter ends, For if these qualities are yours and increasing... They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If, if those qualities are yours, they, the quality mean the good qualities, to say no. The bad qualities, to let them back in. Self-control. It's not easy. It's not easy. That's why there are so many books on there on how to lose weight, how to be happier in your relationships. <laughs> you know? We all want to be happy. Greatest self-development book in the history of the world, okay? All right. So, uh, again, we'll, I don't want it to seem so far away because, let's face it, if things are, if, if your plates are all spinning and they're all wobbling and you're like, I don't even know where to start, David. <laughs> I mean, I, I know the action steps. I have them written down. I can look up anything I want right here on my computer and find action steps, but accountability, where do I start? Well, in the book, again, uh, turned on. I say, answer me this. When you walk into a room that's dimly lit, what's the first thing that you do? You go into your bedroom at night and there's no light on. What's the first thing that you do? You look for the light switch. Duh. It's, it's, is there an easier task on the planet than flipping a light switch? It's so easy a toddler can do it. A toddler can turn on a light switch. It's the one small thing which is the what? The catalyst for all other actions that must happen in that room. Let's use this metaphor. You're walking into the bathroom or you're walking into your bedroom and there's one thing at night that you have to do first. You have to give light. You have to turn it on. Be the light. Easy, okay? This is the metaphor. You must illuminate your space and make everything visible in order to complete your next task. Well, how do we turn on the light in those things we just mentioned, in our body, in our marriage, in our government, in our, in our home, in our community, 
with the relationships with our, with our children and our loved ones. We have to illuminate it. We have to have those hard conversations, but the first conversation we have is with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves. You can't say, well, I'm, you know, I've used this. Oh, I'm drinking because, uh, because the, the you know, COVID and the government is just so messed up. I need an escape. Or uh, I'm, I'm eating because COVID and the government and I'm locked in this house. There's nothing else to do. I'm eating. You know, let's be honest with ourselves. We're doing it because we lack self-control. You know, I'm letting this marriage uh, spin out of control. I'm, I'm letting this relationship with my daughter, my son, or my brother, my sister, my mother, or father, I'm letting it spin out of control. Well, first of all, i got to be honest with myself. What can I do? What am I doing? Am I perpetuating it? Am I being passive-aggressive? Am I being angry? Am I responding to anger with anger? Or am I going to be honest with myself? So let's just start by illuminating that spot, okay? If we go back to Winston Churchill, his words about being application-rich, they, they don't make a lot of sense until you hear the other words. When you say success is not final, failure is not fatal— it's the courage to continue that counts. We will mess up, and this goes back to course correction. There's very rarely, I was a sports reporter for most of my life, there's very rarely a team that goes wire to wire. There's very rarely a team that starts the game and just pours it on. They're always going to face some adversity. You know, if you're, looking for, uh, if you're looking for big examples in big games, you know Tom Brady in that Super Bowl against the Falcons. I think they're down 28-3 to three or something. Super adver- uh, adversity, you know? And, and we look and we say, okay, you know, he's at, at halftime. What if somebody read that quote to Tom Brady? Hey, Tom, I just want you to know at halftime, you guys are really down by a lot. But guess what? Uh, failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. So don't give up. Could have very easily said something like that. But it was in his mentality, you know. But most of these sports people, I don't know what their faith is. They, they go to a coach or maybe they just they've had to beat into their heads by, uh, because they're just overachievers. But for most of us, I think it's going to go back to God. Hey, you know what? Um, you're doing great for the first three re- years of your marriage. Well, that's the easy part. That's the honeymoon. But guess what? Success is not final. <laughs> you're gonna get some bumps. Hey, you're you're 30 years old and uh, you got seven percent body fat. Hey, that's wonderful. Guess what? Success is not final. Your metabolism's gonna change. Okay. Hey, your kid's 10 and they've been an ideal child. For all these years, they're perfect. They get great grades. Hey, guess what? Success is not final. Guess what? They're going to go into their teen years. They're going to be uh, bombarded with some bad peer peer pressure. Okay, get ready for it. You're going to have to make some course corrections. And, th- and to the same respect, failure is not fatal. Hey, hey, you know what? Your, your, your daughter's 14 or your son's 19, and it just seems like, geez, lost cause. Guess what? No, 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 no. Things happen. Failure is not fatal. My nephew, who was 16, dropped out of high school, arrested, been in a, been in a sheriff's ranch, been in a overdose, right? And everybody's ready to give up on him. The whole world's ready to give up on him. And boom. God hits him. Failure is not fatal. It's not the last thing. It's the courage to continue that counts. Don't give up. Hey, guess what? You've gone four months without picking up a drink, and then you pick one up, guess what? It's, it's not the end of the world. Start over. Hey, you know, for me, uh, you've had 
failure relationship after failure relationship after failure relationship, and you're 36 years old, and you think, geez, I'm never going to get married, and, and I'm just about to give up. Guess what? Boom. No, God's going to come in when you surrender. I had been doing it my way. Guess what, David? Surrender, because your way is failing miserably. Look at yourself. Look at your relationships. Look who you've hurt. Look what you've done. Look at the fruit. You're 36 years old. Grow up, son. Surrender to me. Watch what I'm going to do in your life. Okay? Our government right now, where is, geez, you know what? We're successful. Hey, the most successful country in the history of the world for over 200 years, right? Star-Spangled Banner, George Washington, Bed Franklin, you know? Hey, guess what? We're in trouble. Can we course correct? Yeah. The courage to continue that counts. It's going to take some patriots, right? Because, you know, what happens is, guys, and let's go back here. I get really emotional about this because I'm passionate. I sometimes have that all-or-nothing mentality. How many of you have started a diet? And like, that's it. I'm not, I'm not putting a single bad thing into my body. I'm just going to go all out. I mean, I'm not going to have a chip. I'm not going to have a French fry. I'm not going to have a beer. Um, I'm going to exercise seven days a week. All or nothing. Hmm. Or hey, you know what? I, I fell off my I fell off my diet. So guess what? You know what? I I I had that big bowl of ice cream last night, and I just broke six good weeks of dieting. So you guess what? I'm just going to go back to hell in a handbasket. I'm going to go through the Arby's drive-through right now. <laughs> Whatever it may be, right? Um, I've been guilty of that all or nothing, and, and that's one of the things Angelique's coached me on. She's like, David, it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing because that's not really worked for you in the past. And But that's that's been my mindset, okay? It's tough. So let's go back to God. Our, our guiding light, the book, uh, the best-selling self-help development book in the history of the world, the Bible. Okay, uh, in, in, in my book now, to put it simply, uh, attending a seminar doesn't change anything you do more than reading this book does, but they both provide instruction. They both give you fuel, ammunition for you to take action. And when you take a collective series of small actions, that's what creates the massive shift toward happiness. So again, it's not, hey, I'm 100 pounds overweight, I need to be, uh, I need to be a size 3 tomorrow. No, it's a collective series of small steps. Hey, today I'm going to make a better decision. Today I'm looking at that menu. Maybe I am in a fast food restaurant. Think about this. Maybe I'm looking at the menu and I'm in a fast food restaurant, or maybe I'm just looking at the menu in a restaurant, okay? And I'm thinking, small step. Maybe I'm not going to have the salad, you know? But I'm not going to have the fried cheeseburger with bacon. I'll have the grilled chicken. Meet me in the middle, okay? Um, small step with, with your business. Hey, you know what? Um, maybe I'm not going to take everything out of the bank tomorrow and invest it in one stock. But w- what I'll do is maybe I'll look back at that series of notes I have from that one seminar I went to and say, hey, you know what? This is a good business idea. I'm going to implement this for the next week and see how it goes. You know, that, that all or nothing mentality is, is tough. You know, hey, if my marriage has been bad, um, I'm, I'm probably not going to be chipping Joanna Gaines tomorrow. But what can I do tonight to bring me one step closer to my spouse? If the relationship with your child is off or your parent or your brother or sister, you know, tomorrow it's, it's not going to be like Brady Bunch, but um, 
what's the one thing I can do to help it out a little bit? I mean, small steps, course correction. You know, sometimes we get on cruise control and these things, these things really become overwhelming because we go on cruise control for too long. And some of you are waiting for that massive thing to happen in your life to, to snap you out of it, you know? I mean, not to keep harping on it, but when my dad passed, I mean, that was a massive thing. And you're thinking, oh, this is the this is the catalyst for for some mega changes. You know, I want to make my dad proud. I want to I want to leave a legacy for my children, and and that's a good thing. But don't wait for something to happen. Make a small change now, okay? And then the book um, turned on again. I mentioned, do this exercise for me. Imagine that you're looking at your life from the outside. Imagine that you're taking a a different perspective, like a third person perspective on your life. And it really do this, close your eyes and just imagine stepping outside of your body and looking at yourself. And then imagine everything happening in slow motion, almost like it does in a movie. Think about your favorite movies. There's those dramatic scenes where things are in slow motion. You know, or things, or the music picks up and the soundtrack kicks in, or the cinematography. You know, we're thinking like Rocky. Think about like the Gladiator or Braveheart. You know, we we love these inspirational movies because we're watching them from the outside, and we can see it. Like Rocky, this is all you got to do. Just commit, man. It's easy. Uh, hey, uh, you know, Maximus, uh, do do this, and and you know, you'll find the power. Uh, you know. William Wallace, uh, it's I, I can feel it. I see the face pain, and I and I see these guys charging behind you. These are movies, guys. <laughs> In our own life, though, we we slow down and look from the outside and say, "Why did I get married in the first place? Why did I decide to have children in the first place?" Sometimes it takes a hard look in the mirror and go, "This is not the body that I wanted. This is not what I ordered. This is not who I am as a person." I'm going to slow down. I'm going to, I'm going to say, what are the choices I can make? The small choices, the small action steps where it's not all or nothing. What's one thing I can do that I can really stay behind? Okay? Because if you look at the other option, the cruise control button, right, and you're not making those small choices and you're not being turned on, you know, sometimes after a tough week and a, or a tough month or a tough year or a tough three years that we've had, you just want to check out. I'm just going to go on autopilot like everybody else. I'm going to sit here and take a box of Cheez-Its and put on PlayStation or watch this next, you know, series, <laughs> Kevin Costner or, you know, whatever it be. Uh, it's autopilot, and that button's definitely easier because it, it's comfortable takes less effort, you know, and you've entered kind of this subconscious conversation with yourself and that, that choice will play with you. The one side of you says, Hey, just chill. You're exhausted. You know, the world's going through a lot. You deserve a break. It's, it's rough. It's not easy. Nothing's going to change. If you just go through the motions, nothing's going to change. If you just stay inside, nothing's going to change. If you just have another drink or another hamburger, you know, you're still alive. You're not hurting anybody except yourself. Or you make the small steps. Or you look for victory. 
Because the colossal irony here is that that one choice is when you went to bed the night before praying for a blessing, praying for an answer in your life, praying for something to get you out of this hole, you, you dreamt of bigger things for yourself. You might even promise God in your prayers that if you do something, God, on your end, then I'll do something on my end. If you bless my marriage, if you bless my bank account, if you bless my body, then I'll pick up the Bible, I'll go to church. You're, you've bargained with him. If you can just open a door for me, God, I'll run through it. How many of you have said that? Just open a door, God. Show me some light. Show me where the light switch is, and I'll run through that door. I'll turn it on. And guess what? He already has. The door's open. The light switch is right there. There's only so much he can do for you, though. That next part is up to you. The next part is what you must do. You must stay committed, turned on, doing the little things, exercising what we talked about earlier, the big one, self-control. If you're making bargains, if you're praying at night, and you're saying, God, you know, we always do this. We're guilty of it. We're human. Hey, you know what? If you can just help me out here, God, I'll be so much better. I'll stop cursing, you know? I'll stop watching pornography. I'll stop eating so much. I'll stop being mean to my spouse or my friends. I'll be better to people in public. Just show me the light. Open the door and I'll run through it. He has. He thought about it before he made the rules. The invitation is there. In God's word, there's an invitation that is given to each and every single one of us. You can receive it or you can reject it. Matthew says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and burdened. For what? I will give you rest. It's not the same kind of rest we're talking about. It's not sitting in front of the TV with a remote control. It's not kicking up on the beach. It's, it's rest in your spirit, in your conscience, in your happiness. You know, Jesus was giving those people that invitation. We come to him. We come to Christ. It doesn't matter how rich you are how poor you are, what your waistline looks like, how powerful you are, where your, where your job is, what your title is. Jesus is the answer. He gives us the invitation, and I'll leave you with this. It's beautiful because it's in Luke. And again, the parable is, how many of you have gotten invited to a wedding or you got invited to a party? In this parable, we're being invited to the party of the kingdom of God. And he compares it to a wedding invitation. And Luke says, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he said, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all again began to make excuses. The first said, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. I'm ex- please forgive me. And another said, I have five yoke and oxen. Please forgive me. And basically in, in, in this Luke 14, he's talking about this invitation. Well, they start making excuses. 
And then what happens? Well, not everyone's going to make that, take that invitation. It's there. It's there. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. It's an invitation, basically. He's inviting everybody. Sometimes those who don't see it will make excuses. I want you guys to see victory. I want you guys to know victory. It's about being turned on. It's about finding that light. Nobody right now is perfect. I can't stress this enough. The book is. Everything that you need to know has been written. Will you open it? Will you take that invitation? Will you stay in that invitation? Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Don't be note rich and application poor. The note in that book saves lives, saves marriages, saves bodies, saves governments, saves cultures. You have to apply it, though. And you start by applying it in your decisions, in your body, in your home, in your business, in your community, in your neighborhood. And then it's a ripple effect. Let's get turned on.